1: off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, but like,
2: when you're that young, you make mistakes. You do dumb shit. I'm like trying to be super fair. You do dumb shit. You say dumb shit. You fucking fuck up relationships with people. You, you make mistakes. Like you're supposed to, so that you know... You're supposed to do stuff like that so that you know not to do it in the future like I I did my share of fuck-ups so that I don't fuck up again um, But the fact that This person that noah did that like went and posted a private conversation between me and him is so unbelievably like socially unaware And whack. And like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like borderline snake shit. Like, that's like, that's like reason.
0: Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode here at Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. I'm going to tell you guys right off the bat, I think it might be a little bit of a light uh, episode in terms of pop culture news. It's been a bit of a slow week, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I always say that. And I feel like there's some sort of like behemoth story that's happened that I've just completely forgotten or mentally blocked out. So my bad, if there's like something that I really should be talking about, but I'm not, but, um, you know, I think it's also, you know, we're still in the, we're in the dog days of summer, basically, and I feel like we should just keep it light and funky, light, funky, and fresh, okay? So, let's get into it, and there's a decently long, um, Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip recap after this, because, wow, what an episode. (laughs) So, that being said, let's get into the mess of pop culture this week, Um, our girl of the week is going to none other than Caroline Calloway. Now I'm pretty sure that about 35 to 45% of you are like, who the hell is that? And the rest of you are like varying between vacillating between like, oh my God, no. And hell yeah. Okay. So for some of you, this might be our, can I get a hell yeah section of the week? Um, Okay, so how do I explain Caroline Calloway if you're not terminally online? It's hard. It's hard to do. Um She, especially because now she's really like kind of laying low, not really updating her Instagram or anything like that. She's really, you know, giving us the peace that for the all these years we had been begging for, but she's back in the form of a lawsuit. And I just had to talk about it. Okay, so... Caroline was a, is a girl who, um, you know, got swept into the Instagram influencer wave, the early waves of that, and tried to uh, position herself as some sort of like Bob Dylan-esque writer, you know, beat beat writer from downtown New York who just was, like, kind of a mess, sort of a manic pixie dream girl. She always had a flower in her hair, like, really desperate to be quirky. But underneath it all was just, like, a, an impossibly boring person. But there was a, a an intrigue just as to how she, for me, I was just interested in, like, how she was able to navigate life. And, like, it wasn't great. to say the least it doesn't seem like she's handling it very well okay um she has for the years that i've been acquainted with her um had a tumultuous relationship with the uh rental property that she rented her new york apartment from she no longer lives there she now lives in florida i believe she might be taking care of her grandmother which is you know uh, a terrifying thought just just thinking about it but um she, you know, really fancied herself as like a downtown glitterati type chick. Didn't work out. She really just mostly came off as like thirsty, desperate, sad, etc. Okay, Um, with that being said, once she left New York, she gave up her apartment to another influencer. It basically uh, fell through pretty much immediately because... I think that it's something to do with an illegal sublease, and also like she had like been not been paying her rent. so you know, they weren't too crazy about that. So with that being said, um, there was an eviction that happened, and she just responded her her landlord sued her, and then she responded to her landlord's lawsuit the following now, here's the thing like if you don't know her i still think this is quite a funny little read that i'm about to read to you because the delusion the absolute delusion so it starts off well i I just took this by the way shout out to um (laughs) at kaka's middle name on twitter she was the one or they were the one who gave uh screenshots of this lawsuit so (laughs) it starts as the following um there are fancier apartment buildings in new york city than i'm not going to put the address um but miss calloway for over 10 years it was the most perfect home she had ever known there's no doorman no bedrooms even every unit in 205 is a studio but she loved that little building like no home she's ever had before she has ever had before or since in fact Miss Calloway had a very troubled childhood, which is why she spent so much money and time making improvements to the property because two Oh five was not only her favorite home, but also her first. And that's an italic to um, Miss Calloway's efforts started with the garden. It was the only real communal space at two Oh five. But when Miss Calloway first moved into the building in September of 2011, that space that is now beautiful, a beautiful backyard was a barren garbage strewn packed dirt lot. For the uninitiated, it's also worth mentioning that Caroline, like I said, really fancied herself as a writer, um, despite the fact that most of the writing that she was known for was written by somebody else, a fact that came out and she was perpetually unhappy about. So, um, yeah, to read this is a real feat, because this might be, um, you know, the first (laughs) of very little actual prose that we've heard from her, um, despite her, like, truly thinking that she's the voice of uh, of an age. Okay. Um, so what goes on? Okay. <laughs> For the first few years that Miss Calloway lived there, this miniature muddy landfill stayed that way. But beginning in or about October, 2017, after yet another spring and summer had come and gone with so much wasted potential right outside her window, she realized that if she did not fix this problem, no one would. It took half a year just to clear out all the rot Autumn upon autumn of decaying leaves, shredded papers, and plastic bags. More broken glass than really made sense for an uninhabited slice uninhabited slice of land. One billion, with a B, cigarette butts. Dozens upon dozens of hours of work. Miss Calloway bought gloves, hoes, rakes, more hoes, more rakes. She recruited friends, the glass kept ripping their gloves, but finally they found a brand that worked. Once they cleared the debris, they realized the earth underneath was packed down hard as bedrock, and when it was tilled, the dirt filled the air with a wretched smell. Miss Callaway bought a black and bought a black sand beaches worth of topsoil and bioweapons worth of fertilizer. Every spring after that initial deep cleaning from 2018 to 2022, Miss Calloway would have to re-clean all the leaves that fell during the fall, but she did not mind the labor. In terms of plants, she tried to focus on perennials, things that would not die each winter and would not have to be replaced. But between 2017 and 2022, she easily spent $10,000 on gardening supplies and seedlings. Now, keep in mind, also during that period, she's just not paying her rent, like, Maybe she will give you a couple months of back rent here and there. But for the most part, um, her relationship with her rent was uh, spotty, at least. So you're telling in this lawsuit about not paying your rent that over the course of the of four years, you spent 10 grand on a communal space that really doesn't technically belong to you and not on the rent of the apartment that you were inhabiting. This isn't a lawsuit, girl. Okay, let's move on. It goes on to say certain plants like daffodil bubs or fern tubers only had to be purchased once, but tulips, grass, wildflowers, and herbs had to be per- replaced anew each year. Then there were the expensive plants like the two lilac bushes Miss Calloway bought, the night-blooming jasmine, and the mini Japanese maple. However, the major expenses for the garden were not the plants or the uncompensated labor, but rather infrastructure so then she claims in 2018 she added added a bunch of uh, winding paths through the garden um lining them with brick dotting them with tea candles (laughs) all of which by the way were expenses that she paid out of pocket you can you imagine your your landlord not giving you a, a tea candle budget she lived in a building how dare she where the landlord did not allot a tea candle budget for the communal space I mean, the horror. To encourage a return of wildlife back into the backyard, in 2018, she sourced and kept an antique bird bath, in addition to installing two birdhouses and a bird feeder, for which she also bought bird seed. In 2018, Miss Calloway purchased a grill with a rain cover for everyone to see, two tables to eat at, eight patio chairs, and a freestanding hammock. Not only did she leave these chattels behind when she moved out, so that the landlord and its residents can could continue them for years to come, she moved out. Sorry, but she was pleased to see that the listing for her own apartment included fo- photos of the hammock, grill, and patio furniture, among other items and improvements that she had purchased to market the building to prospective tenants. In her personal space, Miss Calloway also spent approximately twenty five thousand dollars improving it between 2017 and 2019 now again (laughs) this is for non-payment of rent but you're saying (laughs) this is before the moratorium right between 2017 and 2019 you spent 25 g's to improve a studio apartment but you didn't pay the rent okay she says that she paid out of pocket to retile the bathroom and the kitchen. She bought a new porcelain sink for the bathroom because the original ceramic one was splintering. She installed a French mid century modern hanging lamp in the bathroom, as well as real Murano glass Venetian chandelier from the entryway. The chandelier alone is worth more than $3,000, and the French lamp worth Several hundred, each of these each of these antique chattels were left to be enjoyed by the future inhabitants of her beloved 205. She also spent over a thousand dollars to design and install custom sconcing around the original lighting fixture of the living room, which added an old world grandeur to an otherwise unassuming studio. Similar to her backyard improvements. These improvements and antique pieces were prominently featured in the landlord's apartment listing as features to attract prospective renters. She also brought a new, bought a new air conditioner, a custom shelving unit, a new shower head, and among other things, all of which she left behind. She had to leave the apartment because she was getting evicted. So, <laughs> also, to act like you're the benevolent queen. Now, granted, like, She's maybe the only person in the world to make me side with a landlord, okay? like To act like your um, $3,000 uh, entryway uh, chandelier was more important and that how benevolent you are for leaving it to the next uh, tenant <laughs> instead of just paying your rent, girl like and what did she expect like she keeps throwing shade like oh you know i was looking at the listing the current listings and they were showing pictures featuring this stuff and it's like yeah because you left it like do you think that they were going to take out the chandelier and then what put in a just a standard one and then or like not take what is she what was the expectation here like did she think that they were going to take all her stuff out and replace it with cheaper stuff like what was she thinking they had to take pictures And if you left all your shit there, and it's usable, then yeah, they're going to use it. And if this little wackadoo says chattel, one more time, just say that you left stuff, okay? Items. (laughs) Just say items, okay? Like, this isn't 1832. Anyway then she goes on to say that the landlord was well aware of Miss Calloway's cost and efforts to expend it but never reimbursed Miss Calloway despite his promises to do so insofar as the landlord was aware of the cost and value associated with the foregoing additions and efforts it ratified Miss Calloway's conduct by permitting and subsequently utilizing the improvements and chattels Miss Calloway uh, contributed to the premises to help market the premise to prospective tenants <laughs> That's not a point. (laughs) That's not a point. Like, what is what if you put nice stuff in there and then you leave it, it's not yours anymore. Okay. And they're allowed to do whatever the hell and promote it and market it in whatever way they see fit to give their uh, rent to, you know, make somebody else rent this property. God bless her. Um, so then she goes on to say that in March of 2020 the covid-19 pandemic presented a unique and unprecedented circumstance that were unforeseeable indeed unimaginable even just a short time ago the disease was highly contagious and its spread was rapid the government's reaction was profound and prevented miss callaway from being able to earn income for more than 2 years and like innumerable, innumerable other new york city residents for the first time in her 10 years as a resident of 250 205 miss Calloway found her Found herself in the position of being unable to afford her rent. These circumstances not only imposed severe and irreparable ha- reparable hardship on Miss Calloway, but they also frustrated the purpose, the express purpose of the lease she held uh, for the residential space at the premises, and the principal object of the lease illegal, impossible, and impractical. Now, for those of you who guys don't know, and your question is, okay, what was her job that was uh, keeping her from? gainful employment her job was she she did not have a job okay so so to act like uh 2020 was a reason you didn't have a job when you've never had a job not not once not never (laughs) girl What is she thinking for somebody who's like criminally online? And this really is now like making a point as, and I'm understanding why she took down all of her uh, Instagram content is because she knew that if they just did a quick scroll through her content, they would see that this woman never had gainful employment, that she was constantly buying designer clothes, um, constantly just like wasting her money on expensive jewelry and skincare and this, that, and the third. And that also (laughs) these improvements made to the, that communal space didn't happen five years ago. Like she's claiming it happened like in 2019 for a few months. Okay. (laughs) So, um, you know, to also, Say like okay yeah if you needed your shit retiled and your landlord didn't pay you back for that then that's one thing but likely more often than not my understanding is if you make improvements to uh, a rental space and they don't like you you can expect to buy antique goods chattels if you will and expect your landlord to expense to you know uh, uh, expense you that or like reimburse you for that like you can't be like oh i had to fix the light in the entryway so i bought a three thousand dollar chandelier um so if you could give me that back (laughs) that's not a reasonable request and then maybe i'm a dumb bitch and i haven't like double checked on reddit but it sounds like she's saying that well it says The lease was terminated pursuant to law effective on or before March 1st, both under the terms of the lease of the laws of state to New York. Uh, uh, Caroline didn't pay any rent after this period because she had no further obligation to pay rent or other consideration under it. So it sounds like she got evicted prior to these eviction moratoriums, but then she decided to just stay and not pay rent because she technically wasn't a resident there and also she had um, undergone financial hardship, which is a real Hail Mary to me if what I'm reading is what is making sense in my head. So anyway, yeah, she basically says she not only uh, shouldn't have to pay rent, but she also she, uh, she basically says that, like, she shouldn't have to be, she shouldn't have to pay rent between March 7th of 2020 and January 15th of 2022. She doesn't owe them rent. And on top of that, she wants her money back for the improvements that she made on the apartment. To which I say, good luck, girl. Like, I mean, the fact, do you think that this is something she totally wrote on her own? Or do you think that the, there was, a lawyer somebody with an actual law degree who helped her with this <laughs> or was this like another ghostwriting situation where she just kind of like scribbled whatever down and the lawyer's like okay let me make this sound um a little bit feasible and it didn't work out so good luck to you caroline <laughs> good luck to you um my next one is I'm just a little bit confused about this whole situation. Sort of. Okay, so I've decided, bravely, bravely, to continue my watch of Stranger Things. I, you know, there was such a break between seasons three and four that I just was like, Ugh, I don't know. I'm like, out of, out of this. I've lost it. Okay, I've lost my mojo for this show. But then I, you know, I decided, like, let me just watch. Okay, so now, as of, Now I finished episode seven, so I've got like two episodes left. But so this whole situation came up and I'm just like, I'm so confused. So according to TMZ, I actually saw this TikTok live as it was happening with Doja Cat. And I was like, what is she talking about? So apparently Doja Cat saw, um, what is his name? Joseph Quinn, the guy who plays uh, Eddie on Stranger Things. So she slides into Noah Schnapp's DMs, one of the kids from Stranger Things, and is basically like, yo, well, I, I'll just tell you what she said. So Noah, can you tell Joseph to hit me up? Wait, no. Does he have a girlfriend? And then Noah says, LMAO, just slide into his DMs. And then she says, I don't know his IG or Twitter. He doesn't have a DM to slide in. And then um, Noah sends her the link to his instagram and says right here ma'am okay so apparently he (laughs) (laughs) ma'am i'll be damned if a 17 year old calls me ma'am um so he posted that on his tiktok he posted the screenshot of his conversation with doja cat on his uh tiktok and then obviously this exploded and then doja felt very upset about Noah blowing her spot up. And so she goes on TikTok live to talk about he's Noah is a snake, a borderline, like he was doing borderline snake shit. And like, she was basically really mad at she's beefing, actively beefing with a 17 year old. Now I don't want these Doja Cat fans to come for me, but one thing I'm not ever going to do is like, Engage in a conversation with somebody under the age of 25 that will involve me like actively fighting with them. Okay. Like I learned my lesson years ago. I said one thing about Nicki Minaj, and these teenagers called me everything but a child of God. And listen, I didn't care because they were literal teenagers being like, oh, fuck you, bitch. you ugly. What are you skin?" But whatever. Um, With that being said, it was a lesson in, like, oh, I'm too old for this, you know? And so I personally would never go on any live to talk about how a 17-year-old was a snake. (laughs) Because it gives the false impression that, like, I think that we are on the same level when we very much are not. So um, do I think what Noah did was, like, appropriate yeah, cuz he's a 17-year-old boy who just got a DM from Doja Cat. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of do think it's like not not at all surprising. Is it appropriate? Eh. I don't I don't know if we need to have a conversation about whether or not it was appropriate. Um, but it's also like totally expected, girl. Like what were you thinking? <laughs> do I think it's like creepy that she hit him up? I also don't think that. A lot of people were making it sound like she was like being on some creep shit, but like is it weird that she reached out to a 17-year-old? Yeah, but it was a, about an adult. So, you know, and I was like, she wasn't hitting on him. So, you know, I don't know. All of this is weird. All of this is very strange. And I hope she learned her lesson because that's a little embarrassing for me. It's a little embarrassing. Um, with that being said, okay, I want to end... My last story is about Married at First Sight. As you guys know, the San Diego season began last week. I, just letting y'all know, I have not even watched it. And it's not really on my register to do so. I think I might just have to take this season off. And maybe feel how I feel in the next, you know, nine weeks when the next season starts. So I don't really know. Maybe I'll watch the episode at some point this week and feel like I got the spirit in me to do it, but it's not looking good. Not looking good. Like 8% of me even wants to watch the episode and like, 3% of that 8% wants to recap it. So, sorry. (laughs) Sorry in advance. However, what I knew was going to happen is that... What has been happening for the last few seasons is... The couples that... Say yes on decision day. Continue to say yes at the reunion part. But then have somehow broken up between the reunion and the new season. Is that it typically... It seems like production makes them hold off on the divorce announcement right as the new season comes in. So it's a little bit more quiet. And I think so the audience isn't like, okay, why I'm about to watch another season when these couples just broke up. Like, not one couple from Dallas made it (laughs) by the time we made it to the next season. Was it Dallas? Or Austin? Whatever. The one with Gil and Mirla. Um so with that being said to the surprise of I'm sure nobody Steve and Noy have announced that they have broken up. Well, sort of. Sort of. Let's let's get into it. So Steve began this by writing a five slide post about the breakup with the caption simply the pink broken heart. So the announcement says, I was not expecting to this announcement to happen today, but I'm prepared to handle it. When I said yes on decision day, I knew that our relationship was far from perfect, but I held the belief that with enough time, effort, and understanding, we could overcome the challenges we face and build a healthy, functioning relationship. Over time, I've lost hope that this could happen, and I believe and believe that we're incompatible in ways that attempts at compromise can't seem to fix or overcome. I am under the belief that our relationship is unsustainable in its current form, and after many attempts, I don't believe that we can get it to the point where it's functioning at a level that's healthy enough while both of our needs are being met. We have been apart for a little while now to the point of moving on with hope pretty much fading for any chance that we could recover. Although I had made a decision, I was still holding out for the potential for true change, but there were signs that it just wouldn't happen. This surprise announcement is a signal that it's definitely time to let go. So what I'm hearing here is that y'all have been broken up for quite some time. Maybe, maybe not. You held out little, little, held a little candle Lit a candle for Noi to come back and put it in your window, okay? But to be like, this surprise announcement is a signal that it's definitely time to let go. It sounds like you were just like, oh, I'm just going to say that we're broken up today out of nowhere, okay? Then he goes on to say, My rational mind is fully aware that I don't owe anyone outside of my friends and family anything, but I can't help but feel like we're letting people down. You're not. Nobody cared. Having so many people invested in your relationship is a pressure that's hard to describe, and it exists regardless of how I try to compartmentalize and rationalize it. Noi, I'll always love you. I so wish we were a better fit. I wish we could meet each other's needs without feeling like we have to compromise ourselves to a point beyond that we can what we consider acceptable. I wish that our willingness to be flexible with each other matched the chemistry we were lucky to have. I hope the sushi stays healthy for as long as possible so that you can enjoy your time with him and he can be there for you through this next chapter. That's her dog. I hope you found that, find the support that you need from the people around you and resources available to you. Now, that feels like shade. <laughs> like, I hope that you can find support from the resources available to you. Like... It sounds like uh, a low key way of being like, you need therapy, you need help. And I hope you can use every resource available to you. I knew there was something about Steve that really chapped my ass and I thought it was weird. And this is, it's really showing in this announcement. So he goes on to say, I hope he can remain cordial. And at some point we can remain in touch as I enjoy having you in my life when things are good. Hopefully when all is said and done, this is still possible. Well, I, I'm assuming after this Instagram uh, post, it's not going to be possible. Like, don't be saying, like, oh, I really like you in my life when things are good. Fuck you. <laughs> You. So, going on to say, knowing myself and how I often struggle with detaching from relationships, it gets really hard at times having to try to let go of my person that over the course of a year I've spent so much time with and shared so many amazing experiences is really difficult to do. The shared future we've created in our mind and dreams gets heavy to let go of when you bring of when you bring children and life together in the, into the plan. Now, for those of you guys who don't know their story, um, Noi met Steve, he ain't had no job. Okay. He had no job. He was like, not really trying to get one. He was basically just floating off vibes and whatever savings he had. And he continued to be extremely vague about his finances. Now there's a fair point to be made about like, Hey, if you've really got it like that, then like you don't really need to make all these explanations, but also, there's a point of, like, when somebody asks you, hey, do you plan on getting a job? And they're like, hmm, I don't know if that's really, like, for me. Um, but you're not, like, offering a reason why. Um, it's... It wouldn't inspire a lot of confidence to me, and it didn't annoy. And I really felt like I was one of the few people who... Um, understood where Noi was coming from because he was just saying a lot of things, but not really giving any answers. He was just saying a lot of flowery things and everybody's like, well, why doesn't she just leave him alone and like let him rest or whatever? <laughs> and I'm like, no, like if you're going to be my husband, I have every right to know, like if you plan on working and if working is not for you, then like, do you truly have enough money to be retired for the rest of your life? Because Doesn't seem like you do. Um, So then he goes on to say, when things are good and we're free of conflict, we fit so naturally together. And it feels so easy to just spend time together if we put our problems aside. Deep down, I know it's not the right thing to do. There are too many things that I unfortunately can't ignore and proceed with this relationship confidently. Okay, why are you... Like, this is a lot personal for you being like, oh, you know, this should just be for me and my family and friends. I, I feel like he's saying a lot. So, okay, the last one says... I'm doing my best to stay positive and I'm lucky to have an amazing group of people around me that have been holding me up through all of this. Of course, I hold some negative feelings about it all, but I'm trying to process them on my own time and with the people who I can count on while trying not to be let it bleed out in public. I've given so much of myself to this marriage, the process, the experience as a whole. I don't regret anything I've been given, but it's time that we start doing what's best for ourselves. Okay. So following that announcement, Noy goes onto her Instagram, a picture of her looking beautiful in a bikini on a, on a surfboard, turns the captions off and says, Divorce feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so then Noy commented under Steve's Instagram post and says, You asked for the divorce. I begged, all caps, you to stay. And you said, You don't owe me anything. What? you also never checked in on sushi since he got cancer since you were inferring you care here let me fill you in he's dying the treatment isn't working and you've never even offered to help and during this time you knew i was vulnerable and my heart was breaking outside of this and this is when you said we should divorce you're not heartbroken so stop acting like this for everyone else you made this choice before involving me in the final decision and you said i was not allowed to talk about it even though you said you were already seeing other people just be honest about your truths And we can both move on easily. I died. Okay? Like, thank you. Tell the truth and shame the devil. I was so sick of people falling all over their dicks for Steve and praising him as like the nicest man on the planet just because he, I don't know, talks slow. I really don't know. (laughs) See, a man, he's like a classic nice guy. A man who, like, doesn't raise his voice. A man who, like, speaks very, you know, he'll talk. A man who will talk. They get so much credit for being these, like, well-spoken guys with all these feelings and look at them. Ugh, he's a hero. Fuck that. Fuck that. I'm, I'm team Noy with this. I'm definitely team Noy, especially if she's saying like he, he admitted in that statement of his, that this was a surprise announcement. You're not going to surprise announcement our divorce, sir. Especially when she's saying that you told me not to say anything so that you could go on Instagram and, and be the Johnny Goodboy that you think that you are. Bullshit. I love it. I love Noi for keeping that energy. So the Can I Get a Hell Yeah for the week is to Noi for talking that truth. And girl, if you hear me, come on the podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. All right, you guys. The rest of the episode is going to be a recap of episode five? Yeah. Of Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Season 2, so check it out. Love you, bye.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Mm.
0: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know,
1: You just go try to beat her yes, up. I gonna murder. That lady murder. could be your mama. You can't do that. No, she's only five years older than me. For real? Oh, okay. <laughs> shit. <laughs> 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 My
0: bad. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. Episode five of real housewives, ultimate girls trip season two. The best one by far. When I heard the announcement, <clears throat> excuse me, that this specific cast was going to be going to the Berkshires, I thought, ooh, this is really going to be Bravo's version of Bad Girls Club. But, like, you know, mostly they've been keeping it cute until today, where just, like, everything came came out. We mentioned it all. Ooh, let's talk about it. So last week, Jill and Dorinda kind of dipped a toe into getting into it because jill was trying to listen to eva's radio show and she was like trying to politely get out of it dorinda calls jill out for being thirsty jill ends up getting her feelings hurt chaos ensues in the uh confessional room and here we are the the next morning dorinda not a care in the world, okay? She is frittering around the property, making sure everything's gonna be um going well with the hot air balloon and taking pictures and just like, oh, what a beautiful morning over her. Like, there's a, like a bluebird on her shoulder. Meanwhile, Jill is like, terrified in the confessional room making sure the door is closed speaking in a hushed tone to make sure that dorinda doesn't hear her and burst through the door like the damn kool-aid man to go off on her and we actually see more footage of dorinda going off on jill the night before and jill mentions yeah there's definitely some underlying tension between dorinda and i but this was a lie She said it's not really a big deal, but she did think it was very interesting that Dorinda was the one who brought it up and not her. So then we see footage of Dorinda saying she supported Jill for years. She supported Jill through Bobby's death. She sat at the funeral and how she even, by the way, supported Jill beginning to date Gary, her now boyfriend two weeks after Bobby died. (sighs) So yeah, just a lot of things are going on and it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. And the thing about this episode is that you think things are going to get better, and then they get significantly worse. And it was really a sight to behold. So, like I said, Dorinda's taking pictures. She's in her pajamas, and Jill's like, okay, I have to talk to Dorinda. But she's trying to be covert about it by asking who was there? Like Eva and somebody else, I'm not sure, maybe Taylor, to basically take one for the team. And bring up the Durinda stuff so that Jill doesn't have to have this like one-on-one conversation with her. And Durinda finally comes around. She comes out. Jill is like, okay, we really do need to have a conversation, but let's do it after the hot air balloon. But Durinda's like, no, let's just talk about it right now. So Jill asked Dorinda, do you remember what happened the night before? And she's like, yeah, 100%. I remember you said you wanted to be on Eva's show. Poor Eva's trying to do her job. And then you said that you were just going to sit in the room and watch her, which I think, frankly, is a little thirsty. And I feel like Eva thought it was thirsty, too. (laughs) So Jill tells Dorinda that she hurt her feelings. And Dorinda's like, you know, I don't have problems like this with anybody else. But then we thank God for the editors, get an immediate montage of not even her time arguing with the other ladies on Roni, but her arguing like with basically every other woman on the show with the exception of Phaedra and Eva at this point. Duranda tries to call a truce on both of their behalf without really even asking Jill because hey, you feel like um, I my delivery was off, I feel like you're overreacting a bit, so we'll just agree to disagree. <laughs> We'll see about that. So the hot air balloon is beautiful, but it's small. They can't all go on at the same time. They can only go up three at a time. So I just love the reaction of the first group. It was mixed, to say the least. Like, Durand is having this emotional girl boss moment of, like, looking out on the property and being so proud of herself for being able to keep it after Richard's death. And Tamara's like... Kind of having a good time because she doesn't like heights, but they're just tethered because the hot air balloon only goes up 500 feet and then just comes back down. So she's having a good time. And Phaedra is like, I can't even believe I changed my wig for this. I thought we were going to be going to like another state and coming back, but we're just tethered to Bluestone Manor. So why'd I change my wig? <laughs> oh, also Phaedra's trying to tell us that she was in a movie and that was when her affair with units... Like she calls them, not wigs, units, um, began, uh, what movie was this? Let me, let me look. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what movie she's referring to, but it does seem like on IMDb, she has a, um, an acting credit for being on two episodes of a TV series called Covenant playing the role of one Bernice Whitfield. Um, Covenant is a Bible themed, uh, drama, it appears won't be watching but whatever i'm happy for you and your unit journey it's working out very well for you i must say um so what happens after that oh brandy says she doesn't want to go up on the hot air balloon because she saw once on tmz that a pigeon or something flew into the fire part and the whole hot air balloon exploded so she won't be going on it Thank you very much. And neither will Eva because she's working. Um, so Eva comes down for her show. Everybody's eating breakfast. Jill immediately was like, do you feel like I was being thirsty? Do you think I was being thirsty? Do you think I was asking to be on the show because I wanted to be thirsty? Like, And Eva's like, uh, <laughs> I think maybe you and Dorinda should have this conversation. Like, clearly the answer is yes, but she's just not really trying to go there. And... She's like, I don't really know why you're crying about this situation. From my point of view, like, I'm wearing headphones. It's a radio show. You're not going to see anything. You're not going to hear anything. I think this is about more than this. (laughs) <laughs> you and Dorinda have something going on and you and Dorinda need to talk about it. Um, they do ask all the other housewives if they feel like Jill's thirsty. The overwhelming answer was yes. I don't think anybody said no. And they were even like, she'll admit it before you even say it before you even think it. Jill will tell you she's thirsty. I mean, it's true. She is a woman who takes advantage of Everything. And that's probably gotten her very far in life, you know, but it also does make her seem thirsty. But you know what? Like if you're batting, I don't know what batting average is, but like if you're getting like, if it's working for you like 78% of the time and it's worked you right into a Hampton's mansion and a beautiful apartment and a gorgeous life and a private jet and, you know occasionally somebody calls you thirsty on television i think many people would take that that bet that <laughs> i think a lot of people would especially if everybody is increasingly turning on the person who's calling you thirsty <laughs> that, that really works to your advantage so everybody then is sitting down for breakfast and vicky says basically i mean dorinda's like hold up in her bedroom right but we don't find out later that this is like strategery okay so Vicky's talking about how every night that they've been here, the psycho bitch has come out in Dorinda, but it can't just be drinking because she's also mean to people in the morning too. So Phaedra asks Jill, "Do you think that the show has affected your relationship with Dorinda?" And Jill's like, "I don't think it's refect- affected my relationship. I think Dorinda's become a monster because of the show." And then Jill says in a confessional that she feels like you never know what you're going to get with Dorinda. And she thinks a lot of it has to do with Dorinda's drinking, but she also doesn't know when Dorinda begins drinking. So it could be anything, frankly. Then Jill said, and we have to also have to remind ourselves that Jill doesn't drink. She's not really like a drinker, like Candy or, I don't know, yeah, the other women who don't, Marge. Marge doesn't drink. Um, so I think I've kind of wanted her back is that sick (laughs) is this sick to say that i've kind of wanted jill back on the show especially because the drinking has been such a theme over the past years that she's not been on roni i would just be very interested in seeing her perspective on all of that as a like sober person who's not sober because they have to be you know what i mean this is where the tea starts getting spilt between like the behind the scenes stuff on not only New York, but like way other franchises too, because Jill says the night before Dorinda was talking about how John let the show get to his head and how that affected their relationship. But she was like kind of laughing to herself. She's like, it wasn't John who was affected by the show and the fame. It was you like, what are you talking about, girl? So, like I said, Dorinda has been holed up in her bedroom while everybody's eating breakfast. And so Eva comes in to tell her, she just wasn't really trying to have a conversation about Jill and Dorinda that didn't actively involve Dorinda being there. So she tells her, I think what you need to do with Jill is just confront her. Talk about all the feelings that she's feeling some type of way about. Just get it all on the table and get it over with. And then Dorinda starts to get emotional because she says, She's probably, at this point, being too intense. Like, this is her house. She's planned all the shit. She wants everybody, to, everything to be perfect. And she's just, like, getting too involved. And she probably needs to, like, not give a shit so much. And then Dorinda tells Eva that for five seasons, the five seasons that she was on the show, Jill tried to get on every season. And she didn't even realize that Jill was upset with her until... One season, was this her last season? I think, no. Dorinda's season was, it was Leah's first season. Yes. So Dorinda's last season, um, she heard something about a producer. This comes up later that, like, I guess Jill was upset about something. She found out through a producer. Dorinda found out. And that's how she found out that Jill was mad at her. And she thinks that all of this has to do with the fact that Jill's jealous that she's on the show. And Jill hasn't been able to get her apple back. So then after that, the ladies go out for lunch, and Tamara really cracked me up, because she said, I'm just so glad for us to get out of Menopause Manor. And at this point, I think this house might be haunted. It seems like everything's gonna be light and bright and fun until Dorinda announces that today they're going to be day drinking. And it's like, oh, well, (laughs) we all know how this is gonna end, isn't it? Oh, no. So Brandy asks the ladies... When is the last time you guys have fallen in love? And everybody was like, oh, first of all, thank you for asking a normal question that doesn't cause people to fight, Brandy. First of all. Secondly, Phaedra goes first, and she says that she thinks she's in love now, but she doesn't tell us who with. And at first, I feel like she kind of tried to make it seem like that person was famous. But then in a confessional, she was talking about how she wants to, like... how it can be hard when you're a famous person to make sure that the people are with you for the right reasons. So, I mean, it sounds like just one of dozens of Atlanta flops who were like, you know, like a Peter Thomas. I think she's found herself, whatever 2022 version of Peter Thomas is spawned in Atlanta at this point. And, you know, good luck to her. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. I, (laughs) <laughs> I just know how Atlanta works. And I don't know why I have to be so vicious about it. But, like, that's just the truth. Atlanta's just full of operators. So even though, like, maybe to the, the um, you know, non-initiated, the uninitiated, you would think, Phaedra's talking about being a famous person when she hasn't been on a show in years. But, like, in Atlanta, that doesn't matter. They love that shit. And they will use it to their advantage. Then Vicky talks about how, all of her girlfriends back in Chicago uh, still have the they're still with the dudes that they were married to originally and how now living in Orange County, it's so different because you're married to like, you can have like three, four marriages under your belt. You can marry a guy who's significantly older than you. Like everything's so different. And then Dorinda's like, well, why don't you just try that? Like try digging an older man. And Vicky says, well, I haven't been able to, Dorinda. I just got dumped. <laughs> what a sad sack Vicky is. Truly. Like, do you think that Vicky, who isn't whooping it up and isn't, like, filled with, you know, Casamigos, Reposado, or whatever, actually, do you think she's a Jose Cuervo girl? I bet she is. What happened to her Vicky's vodka line? Do you remember that? Anyway. um, Do you think, like, sober, like, we're just going to lunch on a Saturday or like we're having a barbecue. Do you think she's fun? Like for a Republican, do you think she's fun? I wonder. And also let me raise a question here. Do you guys get the sense that Vicky and Tamara have just like, they're not really friends so much as, I don't even know if frenemies is the right word. It's like they've called a truce with each other. And they've decided, like, we're going to have each other's back. Like, like they're on Survivor or something. And they're like, you know what? I might not like you, but I respect the game that you play. And we're stronger together. Do you think? I feel like that's what's going on. Like, I don't think they really, really like each other. I think they just get it. You know what I mean? Like, they get the game. And they respect it and here's part of why I feel that way is that Tamra just like completely shows Vicky's pussy to not only the ladies at the table but all of us and it's not like, like as an Orange County watcher we know like we've seen hints of Vicky Gunvalson's like just utter whew, uh, horniness and it's been upsetting for sure but like I, why did she have to bring up Brooks again you know like, was that necessary? She tells everybody that she thinks that Vicky is still in love with Brooks, that they used to have all the sexual chemistry. They were like, chitty, chitty, bang, bang. And then here she is with old dry Steve, who had, she hasn't been fucking for 13 months. And, you know, she just wants girth back. Okay. She wants girth Brooks back. And like, why did we need to know that? Why did we need to be reminded? I didn't need that. I didn't need that. Um. So... <laughs> Somebody tells her, oh, Phaedra tells Tamra to stop to stop talking about it because Vicky's a lady and then Tamra looks at her and she goes, no, she's not. <laughs> Iconic. Iconic. Um, then Phaedra's like, well, I don't really know Brooks. Was he attractive? And Brandy across the table's like, no. No, girl. No. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, he was he looked nice. <laughs> it, Pre-teeth, pre-veneers, or post. Let's talk about it. Let's not. I don't want to talk about Earth. Ooh, or Brooks. Um. So then the ladies go back. Like, uh, Dorinda's insistent that they go back and sit by the pool. Because we find out that she's heated the pool. And she's paying for it. So she wants them to get into it. So Marco shows up with this gigantic 4 arrangement for Jill. And she gets it from her boyfriend, <laughs> gary and then jill shows the flowers to brandy so gary in the floral arrangement had like had them insert like an apple for whatever he, well we know why but like um <laughs> brandy says brandy says that gary knows where his bjs are buttered and he knew that by adding that apple that that she would really really get into it and you know what brandy's right if we could just have brandy like do like a um like a best week ever commentary and not actually be there being like a complete terror on her own. If she could just talk to us about what's going on and how she sees these people operating, I think she would be like a real fan favorite. I really, I really do do like a, um, Oh, like people's couch, bring people's couch back and put Brandy on it. Do, Oh my God. Do like, people's couch civilian and then do people's couch bravo lab edition for people like they do on um below deck have all the people who used to be on bravo shows talk about the current bravo shows you guys get me to thir- get me a car to 30 rock and i will give you so many gems that that was a free brilliant one right there so then somebody asks Jill if she would want to be back on Housewives. And Brandy's like, yeah, of course she would. (laughs) So Jill says that in all honesty, and those are her words, um, she would rather be a friend of on the show because she doesn't really want to have to put all the drama and stuff like on her, you know, her personal drama on the show, right? So then she says, you know, I would also like to do like a one or two week filming thing like we're doing now, but you know, it would also depend on who got cast on the show because if there were certain people on New York uh, that were coming here, I wouldn't have come. And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Who, who would have been on that list? And then somebody asks a very qu- fair question of, like, you're actively beefing with Dorinda right now, so what's the difference, right? <laughs> and so Brandy says in a confessional that her theory on this whole situation is that Jill's actually really pissed, but she's trying to be cool about it because she feels like if she can be friends with Dorinda, Dorinda who's on pause and not fired, that she has a better chance of being on the show because Dorinda's probably going to come back on the show, right? There you go. Um, so then the ladies go to dinner at the red lion inn, which used to be the place that Dorinda worked growing up. I guess we're supposed to care about that, but um, while they're getting uh, drinks and stuff, somebody turns to Vicky and says, Oh, Brandy. Brandy turns to Vicky and says, I just have a question for you. Like, no big deal. Just wondering out of nowhere. But um, on your show, somebody mentioned you sleeping with multiple partners. What was that about? (laughs) Like, oh, God. So Vicky claims that... This rumor stemmed from Lori being thirsty and how one time she had gone on a trip with Lori and Vicky went on a trip with Lori and Vicky's sister. They shared a room, I guess, and then Vicky shared a the pullout couch with her sister and then somehow this turned into Lori pointing the finger or like accusing her of having sex with multiple partners. I, I don't know how we got from point A to point B. <laughs> this seems like an untruth and i will say that um so i don't really know but it laurie is also very thirsty but also like if you were in the room then how does it turn into vicky getting like eiffel towered i don't really understand we're never gonna know the answer to that or, unless like Lori, do you want to come on my, my podcast and explain like where where this came from because that can't possibly be the reason that doesn't make any sense Anyway, the ladies sit down for dinner, and Vicky just wants to know where in the hell in the Berkshires they can whoop it up. Because it's not happening in this, like, old-fashioned 1700s uh, building that serves uh, clam chowder as a as a main appetizer. And listen, you guys, I'm not above a clam chowder, so don't even come for me about that. But you know what I mean. Like, they're not getting turned up there. Right, so Dorinda starts to get a little bit activated, but they're able to calm her down briefly. Briefly, um, so Dorinda then asks the ladies. She tells them first, like I was thinking about this um, earlier today. Like, what was the most uh, disappointing moment for you in being a reality star? And then she says, for her, it was getting put on pause, and so. Somebody asked her, okay, what, what happened? (laughs) What happened in this conversation with Andy that let you believe that you were just going to be put on pause for one season? And she says that she didn't even ask, or rather she specifically was like, if it's not going to change the outcome, like if I'm not coming back on the show, I don't really want to hear the reason why I'm off. So, (laughs) okay. Then Dorinda, and this is how we should have known that she was really getting started, Um, she starts to talk about how hard she was working on the show, like this girl's trip show and how the girl should know by now that she puts everything into filming and how she hasn't even been able to take a nap this week, which of course, then we see the montage of her doing naps basically every other day, at least, um, or three out of the four days that they've been there so far. And then she says, you know, I'm just going to take a nap when I leave on Saturday. And Vicky's like, we're here till Saturday. I thought we were leaving on Thursday. Oh, God. (laughs) And so now everybody's like, okay, Vicky, that's really rude to to say. And Dorinda's like, okay, if you weren't really prepared to be here this long, then why did you sign up for the show? And Vicky tries to turn it around and say, like, no, I just, I haven't been on a trip this long with just women. Like, what do you, this is like only the shit that you can say on Orange County. Because, like, what does that mean? Like, (laughs) just women like you're a woman vicky you're also a woman so what do you mean i mean this has to be a lot more enjoyable than you i don't know spending the last 13 months of your life um sharing a bed with a guy who hates you and won't fuck you and takes your money i don't know that seems like quite the retreat for me but what do i know what do i know um so um dorinda tells vicky that she's been like basically kind of depressed this whole time and that Vicky, you need to stop playing the victim, and Vicky goes, I'm a positive bitch. I'm a positive bitch. So then Dorinda tries to get talk about, like, how every day it's been something different with Vicky and how, oh, you went to urgent care, and you got a steroid shot, and you act like you got a gunshot wound. And, it was... <laughs> and then Eva's like, you know, honestly, Vicky, you, you've been fine since the steroid shot. Brandy's like, can we get another one? Please, like, it does seem like everybody is on Dorinda's side about Vicky being, a, like, a downer. Um, and I, I feel it. I feel it, too. So, uh, Vicky says that she's... So, Phaedra says that she's actually noticed a progression with Vicky and her attitude. She's not, like, woo-hoo, Vicky, but woo-woo. We're getting woo hoo Okay? We're woo-woo, Vicky. Somehow, the topic of Jill... And Eva comes back, but Eva tries to shut it down pretty much immediately and says, this, let's, this is about something different, okay? So let's talk about that. So then Dorinda brings up a time when she was filming with Jill a few years ago. Like I said, this was her last season, Leah's first season, when they had that Halloween weird dinner party thing that they had. The one where Leah like grabbed a lobster out of a display and was just like screaming. You guys remember. Um, So Jill was at that party and Dorinda starts by saying, well, you know, when you're filming, you know, it's like really busy. You should remember that from eight years ago, Jill. (laughs) Everybody's like, okay. Um, And so Jill tells uh, Dorinda, like, don't, don't try to throw anything in my face. Right. So, What sounds like happened that night is that they were supposed to film a group holiday party or Halloween party scene. And then maybe Dorinda was supposed to film a scene with just Jill. But during that group scene, Dorinda ended up getting into it with Ramona and the producers were just like, Oh, you need to finish this scene with Ramona. And then it it never happened with Jill. And then it sounds like maybe Jill told producers that she was pissed off, that she basically got shirked out of that deal, right? I think that's what happened. So then Dorinda was like, here's the thing. Like, straight up accuses Jill of being jealous of the fact that she got on the show and Jill was no longer a part of the show. So Dorinda says she was put on pause. And Jill says, were you really? I I don't think so. Dorinda calls Jill thirsty and is like, I need you to stop saying that word because if you want to talk about thirsty Dorinda, why don't you have another drink? (sniffs) So then Brandy raises her hand. She's like, um, I actually want to call out Dorinda for saying something inappropriate about Jill and Bobby's funeral. But Dorinda says, and this was like, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I don't think anybody was prepared for this. It was wildly uncomfortable. So Dorinda says that, she went over to Jill's place the day after Bobby's funeral and that Jill said to her, like, I want to start dating Gary, the guy that she's dating now. What do you think about that? Is it right? Is it wrong? Like, is it inappropriate? And Dorinda was like, girl, just do you basically. Right. And so Dorinda's like, is that true or not? And Jill says, well, whether or not it's true, it's not a nice thing for you to say.
1: Let's get this dinner party started. Oh.
0: Listen, I mean, we have to, like, put some context into the situation. Bobby was sick for a long time, okay? And I think even, like... He was sick off and on, and, like, the last time, the last period of time, I think he had been sick for, like, quite a while. So I don't think it's unfair for the partner surviving who to want to date quickly, if that's what you want to do, if you've somehow made peace with the loss of your partner, and you're able to bounce back maybe more quickly than you would in a divorce or something, especially when you're older, you know, I don't really think that that's like, so wild i do think it's wild to have this conversation the day after the funeral (laughs) and like officially be coming out as like together two weeks after i mean that is a bit quick but like i get it and i don't but clearly what happened is that jill was like not expecting for dorinda to say anything like that on television and so rather than getting pissed off She made a very smart decision to just be like, you know what, Dorinda, I don't want to fight you (laughs) because she knew like there might be more skeletons in this closet. And clearly Dorinda and however many dirty martinis she is in, like I'm not, it's not worth the risk of whatever might fly out of her mouth. And then it gets even more uncomfortable because Jill then, no, excuse me. um, Dorinda then says, Jill, I didn't even talk to you the day of the funeral. So she was there. Like, but I didn't even talk to you the day of the funeral because you had everybody like put Bravo come down to film. Jill says she didn't know the cameras were there. And at that point, Tamara's like, girl, no, like she's calling bullshit on the situation. It's like, there's not a chance in hell that they, Bravo would have pulled up at your funeral and recorded you. And you had no idea, right? Like, there's just no way which is true. (laughs) Like, so then Jill says, Bethany, she, she accuses Bethany of being the one to bring all the cameras and that she didn't even know that Bethany was mic'd up when they did their whole scene outside the funeral home. And then Jill's like, why don't you call Andy? Why don't you call Bravo? You know, why don't you call somebody from production? Why don't you call Bethany? Like, see, you know, prove my point. So then we get a flashback from the season 10 reunion in which Ramona actually confronts Bethany for doing that scene with Jill because she thought it was tacky and Andy defends Bethany by saying, no, Jill emailed production and invited us to come to that funeral. Like there, there we have like receipts on receipts on receipts. And then if it could not get even more uncomfortable, Okay. Oh, and actually, by the way, in that flashback scene of the reunion, they did make sure to say that Dorinda was like, I was at the funeral and I was not comfortable with filming. So interesting. Then it gets worse, you guys. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow it gets worse. Because then production asks Jill in her own confessional like, hey, um, we actually have an email from your assistant inviting us to come to the funeral, she she was answering the questions too quickly because she was like, "No, he didn't," and that that wasn't my assistant. And I was like, "Well, how would you even like if you knew nothing about this? <laughs> then how do you know who they're talking about? And enough to say that that wasn't your assistant." So then she was like, "Did you get that email from me?" is it for my email address? And they're like, no. She's like, I wasn't even CC'd in the email. So, you know, you can't basically like, you can't, my fingerprints are not on this. So you can't claim that I did anything. And Denjil says that she never, ever, she would have never invited the cameras to film at the funeral. But then she says, well, maybe the outside, but not the inside. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Just, just shh. Okay. So, like I said, Jill puts her weapons down with Dorinda for being rude, and she really lays it on thick. She's like, you know, I was so rude in your house, and you're the host, and I'm so sorry. I should have never said that to you, the host, the Bluestone Manor. I, I can't even believe that I would be so rude to you. This is the behavior of somebody who does not want that smoke. Like, truly. Truly. So, Jill and Dorinda kiss and make up, and I mean that quite literally. They really did, a, like, a, a good, nice smack on their lips and jill makes a comment about how she doesn't want to be fighting with somebody who's drunk basically which is also not unfair okay so then you're not gonna believe it things get worse (laughs) things get worse taylor who's been quietly just hanging out this whole time is like you know what um i got something for you brandy (laughs) And <laughs> she starts to talk about how in was it season three or two that um Brandy had outed Adrian Maloof, tinsel haired Maloof, for having a surrogate for her twins, which the twins didn't know at the time. And this was like like people knew. But people didn't know. Like, the kids didn't know. And this was definitely not something that should have been said on television. I am having the great pleasure of actually rewatching. It must be season three. Basically, this is, like, the fallout of um, Brandy and Adrian. And Brandy just got sued by Adrian um, to never speak about her family again. (laughs) So this is like a real like like a parallel watching for me and i'm really enjoying it but like oh my god like the fact that brandy felt the need to um say that and also that this is the first in what turns out to be the second time in my memory that brandy specifically like something that she said on television was cut out like I don't even think that they did that with the reunion with Candy and Phaedra. I can't remember a time really ever that another housewife, like they've intentionally cut out something that they said and just like aired the reaction. But anyway, we'll get more to that later. So <laughs> Taylor basically like is demanding an answer from Brandy as to why she chose to help tell the whole world and television about, adrian's surrogate and so everybody's like i'm sorry like what does this have to do with you taylor but taylor is hellbent okay she's like i'm bringing this up because i want to i've been holding this in for years and i'm back on television and we're gonna talk about everything that i've been thinking about since then Then we see a flashback from just the day before where Taylor was telling ladies at the lunch table about how Brandy likes to weaponize secrets against people and then tells them again about the surrogate situation. Somebody said, Brandy's like, I think these women really, excuse me, it's Vicky. Vicky says, I think these people need to let the past be in the past. Stop talking about things that happened years ago on the TV show Tamara and I could go back and forth about things that we've done to each other for years. We could do that forever, but what's the point? What's the point? Brandy tells Taylor, she and Adrian are cool. They've been cool. They text each other. They talk. So she doesn't really know what the point of bringing this up would be, but yeah, she's like, I just feel like you're kind of coming for me to have a TV moment. (laughs) Taylor basically says, I've had years of pent up anger against Brandy. So it's going to come out one way or the other. And you know what? Throw a martini into into the situation and that's just fuel to my fire. So then Taylor says, she, she accuses something that nobody, I don't think anybody remembers this, but Taylor's also mad because, you know, as somebody who was on season one of Beverly Hills, Taylor thinks that the show is like very precious and very successful. And they all did a great job. Apparently Brandy said that she didn't find season one to be successful or she wasn't really checking for them or whatever. And so Taylor wants an apology for that, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this sounds like a poll quote, of Brandy from, like, some Us Weekly party that happened in, like, you know 2011. And really, Taylor's still holding on to this. Like, this is a true nothing burger. But then it was kind of worth it for this moment where Taylor says that in season one, Beverly Hills, that's when all the classy ladies were on the show. And here comes Brandy, and she was like a cinnamon stick, in a successful pot of water and everybody's like the fuck does that mean (laughs) then Taylor tries another analogy by saying that the six original women the cast members were a successful pot of water that they were trying to protect and then here comes Brandy from the roof doing a belly flop into that water or something Brandy starts laughing and then Taylor's like if I have to come across that table it's not gonna be pretty (laughs) okay (laughs) Then for some reason, Taylor tries to, decides to tell Brandy, that basically, she needs to put some respect on her name by saying that Beverly Hills is the only Housewives franchise that ever has won a Critics' Choice Award, and now everybody's looking crazy at Taylor, because they're like, what the hell are you talking about, ma'am? And then Brandy tells Taylor, you're really acting like Jill and Dorinda, because like they're both obsessed with how popular they are, and Dorinda's like, excuse me? You better back this shit up right now, okay? You better back that shit up right now. You go on every show that you can get your hands on, okay? <laughs> Which she's not wrong. I mean, Brandy's really made the rounds with, the, like, marriage boot camp with her daddy. Um, celebrity, whatever, on VH1. She, I mean, Big Brother. She's been on a lot of shows. <laughs> so Dorinda's not wrong about that. Um, So then... Things get worse. Things get worse. Taylor accuses brandy of saying that the original cast of beverly hills was not good and brandy says i don't know that i said that i think i said that the season wasn't as successful and then she leans into taylor she leans up close to taylor and says were you successful your husband and then it trails off so we don't know what brandy said but let's face it we know what brandy said about taylor's husband Oh my god. Why yeah yeah basically saying that the only reason why season two was successful was because of Russell. I I oh Oh <laughs> Have you ever seen six like l- legitimately of some of the worst housewives in history? And I'm not including Eva in this hear something so bad (laughs) that even they're like, I cannot believe. (laughs) Do you know what it's like for Tamra to be speechless? Tamra. 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 (laughs) Even she was like, this is too far. And I would, this is low. And I wouldn't do it. (laughs) At that point, Eva's like, I'm going to have to go anywhere else than this room like I cannot be around this energy I'm not trying to do that like that was just way too low Vicky starts screaming take it back take it back Brandy tries to act like Taylor was coming for her and Taylor tells her to take her own advice and shut the fuck up okay so Brandy then gets up to leave Jill and Phaedra actually follow after Brandy because they both say in their confessional some version of like Listen, at this point, we should all know that if you come for Brandy, you throw a dart at her, you're going to get five bullets to the head right back. So you're kind of on your own, Taylor, which I do not agree with. I mean, I think th- their lows so low and that is so low. I, I mean, whatever she said, bringing up... I cannot like I like in my mind now I cannot believe that you would think that that would be an okay thing to say like woo Jill says something about how like we shouldn't be bringing up old shit, which I thought was a little rich of her to say but anyway so then Jill and Phaedra are like okay Brandy would you do you feel like maybe taking back what she said and then she's like no I don't. Like, I feel bad about it, but I'm not going to take it back. And I wouldn't. So, oh my god. They basically are like, well, two wrongs don't make a right. I don't know, girl. So, (laughs) Phaedra says, you don't really want to be fighting with Dorinda, Brandy. She's, like, old enough to be your mama. Brandy's like, she's only five years older than me. (laughs) And even the bartender had to laugh at that. (laughs) So, I actually don't think that's true. I think they might be a little bit more of a difference, but certainly not definitely not enough for Dorinda to be mother age, mama, mama age. So, um, basically they try to get back to the table and Dorinda g- gets involved and she's like, I cannot believe that you would bring up Russell as a woman who was lost her husband. Like that's just the lowest of the low. What if your son died? And everybody's like Ugh. <laughs> what are we are we really doing this again <laughs> like why do why do we why do we keep going lower? Why do we do it? Brandy then gets really pissed off, and she's like, I can't even be in the same room as Dorinda. like I really will engage in fisticuffs with her like I will she's bucking and I'm ready to nuck, okay, so we'll see basically." she comes back to the table and they're like let's go back to the house and have a good time (laughs) after all of this carnage they just did like fucking (sighs) an atom bomb just went off at the red lion inn and now they're like let's just get some pajamas on and and have a good time okay slumber party girls (laughs) oh my god okay i cannot wait for next episode thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking